Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. It's so exciting to come and uh, on Thursdays and to come on Sundays and watch them interact with the lesson and just learn and learn from them as well. Um, elements class can be dismissed before I forget. So I probably shouldn't have let Kaylin talk because she took uh, part of my sermon. <laughs> yeah, she stole it. She and she didn't even look at my notes. I don't know how she did it. Uh, today, I would like to talk to you. Um, if we could just maybe turn our Bibles to Psalms 32, 1 through 5. I don't, I don't have too much, but I, I do have something I would like to say. So um, if you don't mind just praying with me and just praying for me. <laughs> if you think they are nervous, I am too. So help me, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We worship you, God. We thank you for tonight. God, I pray that you would just anoint me, anoint us, help us, God, speak to us, God, your word, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today I want to read out of Psalms 32, verse 1 through 5, and it says this, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth no iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. Thy, my moisture is turned uh, into the drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. And mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord. And then it says, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. I would like to talk to you on this subject, forgiven. Anybody else been forgiven in the house? Amen. Anybody else with the, psalm, the psalmist David can say that my transgression is forgiven. Yes. My sin is covered. Amen. Yes. When I repented, you forgave me. Anybody else know what it feels like for God to forgive your sins? It feels great to be forgiven. Amen? It feels great when... You know, I've been married for seven months now, so maybe I can say this. It feels great uh, when I make my wife mad and I ask her to forgive me and she says, I forgive you. It makes me feel good. Amen? All the ladies like that, I wish i get a little more amen from you. I know it's a youth service, but I really, I do want to focus on the youth, a youth-led service. I do want to focus a little bit on the youth, but I also, I think I'm going to need the help of the parents. I'm going to need the help of the, of the adults in the room tonight as well. Not only during the, the actual message, but during the, during the uh, what's that called at the end? The altar call. Um, I know I'm nervous because I'm forgetting English. Terrible. Uh, so I want to talk about forgiveness. 
I know that there's a lot that goes into forgiveness, right? The Old Testament uses a few different words for forgiveness. It just doesn't use one. Uh, one of the words, it means to pardon or to spare. Another of the words, is it also means to lift up, to bear, to carry off, or to take away. As if we're talking about sins, it's to bear the sins, to take away the sins, right? It's to take away the offense, to lift up the iniquity, right? I noticed it a lot when I was reading in the Old Testament that the word forgiveness comes uh, tied with, with sacrifice. A lot of the time it, it ties with the sacrifice and the making of atonement. I'll prove it to you. Leviticus 4 and 20 says, And the priest shall make, so we can read the whole thing, And he shall do with the bullock as he did with the bullock of the sin offering, so shall he do with this. And the priest shall make an atonement for them, and it shall be forgiven them. Right? If we go down to verse 26, it says the same thing. Towards the end of the verse, it says, um, and the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his sin, and it shall be forgiven him. This talks about the sacrifice, either the sacrifice of the offense of a congregation or of a ruler. When they offended God or when they would uh, trespass, they would bring an offering to the priest and the priest would slay the offering and lay it in the, in the altar and he would make atonement, right? He would make it right with God. See, they had done something wrong. Yeah. And to be able to approach God, you had to be holy. So there had to be a sacrifice for that person, for that sin. Amen? Yeah. So bearing is often used in reference to sin. In Leviticus 16, it talks about the atonement or the scapegoat. Anybody ever heard of that? Yeah. On, the high, on the holiest day when uh, the high priest was supposed to go into the holies of holies, there was two goats that were brought, right? One of them was for the sin of Israel, and it was slain, and, and it was burnt, right? Cut up and everything, if you want all the details. Uh, there's a lot of blood. Uh, but then there was a second goat that was brought, and they called this the uh, goat, uh, the scapegoat. And the, the priest would put all the sins of Israel upon the head of this, uh, of this goat. And it would, like, he would pass on all of the sins of Israel, all of the sins that the nation had committed, and put it on top of this goat. And then he would have somebody take it out of the camp, out of, of the city and, and take it far, far away. And it was supposed to bear the sins away. It was supposed to carry the sins of Israel away. Right? right. Amen. So Leviticus 16 and 20 says this. It says, And when he had made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. This is the scapegoat. Verse 21 says this, And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. I read somewhere that they would, 
they would chase this goat so far away and sometimes they would chase it to fall off of a cliff so that it wouldn't come back. Because they had this belief that, uh, and I read this somewhere, they had this belief that if he came back, God didn't, hadn't forgiven their sin. So they needed to make sure that the thing wasn't coming back. <laughs> so that's what they did. Verse 22 says this, And the goat shall bear upon him all the iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. Amen. Isaiah 53 and 10 through 12 says this. It says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Talking about Jesus. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The next verse says this. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. This sounds a lot like Jesus. Amen. That's because Isaiah is looking through, the, through time and seeing what Jesus would do for us. In verse 12, he says this. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he, will, he was numbered with the transgressors, and bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus was our sacrifice. Amen. He bore our sins. And we know that without what he did, without his sacrifice, we could have no forgiveness of sins. So I am so glad that he went to Calvary for me. So funny story. Um, I've been in the planning with my wife and sister Guye um, for the music, and I uh, had heard what we were singing, and I was coming up with my sermon. This is how busy it is at work. I was coming up with, with everything, and I was writing things down, and I'm sitting down, and I'm like, I wonder what songs they're singing. <laughs> I've only, like, heard them practice already. I've only, like, I have it in my phone. I know what songs they're singing, and then I showed up tonight, and I'm like, I wonder what songs they're singing. Uh, and... I'm standing here listening to them, and I'm like, man, it's like they read my notes. Uh, so it wasn't, it, it was really a coincidence, or God knows what he was doing because I should have known, but I guess I didn't. Um, but when they were singing about the old rugged cross, that's what he did for us. Amen. We're forgiven because of what he did for us. Amen. Our sins are remitted because of Calvary. And I'm so glad that we can have forgiveness. Amen. The Bible is full of examples of forgiveness. Amen. My life is full of examples of forgiveness. Anybody else? The first one that I want to talk about is in the Old Testament. David. We all know the story of David. If we go to 2 Samuel, uh, we're going to go to 2 Samuel 12. And 13, it talks about David uh, with uh, talking with Nathan. We all know the story where David uh, failed, failed God with Bathsheba. 
killed Uriah, and now, you know, they're having this baby, and, and all that stuff is going on, right? We, all, we don't have to go into all those details, but you, he tries to cover it. Right. He tries to just act like nothing happened. Amen. But God tells on him with Nathan. And see, it's not because God didn't love him, but it was because God loved him that he sent a man of God to stick his finger in his face and said, it was you who did this, David. You did the wrong. You must repent. And in the end, we know what happens. David repents of his sin. So after Nathan stands there and, and, and tells him this parable uh, of the man with the lamb and how the man, another man takes his lamb and kills it and whatnot, and he, he gets angry because he said, who would do that? That man deserves to die, right? And Nathan points his finger and says, that man is you. And conviction begins to fall on David. And after Nathan exposes David's sin, David confesses his sins and repents. This is how it goes in, in the King James. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. You see that? Yeah. David says that to Nathan. And what, what gets to me is that the next part is Nathan. Nathan says unto him, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. You know what that means? Forgiven. If we look at, maybe, maybe I can read Psalms 51. Maybe read you a little bit of, Psalms 51 is David, the, in, the heart of David while this is going on. If we go to verse 1, it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness and according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. David knows that he has done wrong. And he asked God to thoroughly wash him from his iniquities, to cleanse me from my sins. And then he says, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Anybody ever been in that situation where you mess up and all you can think of is, I'm, I'm no good, I messed up, God's never going to want me again. Anybody ever been there? Because I know that I have. Verse 4 says, Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Verse 7, he goes on to say uh, what we, we, we know this part. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? I sure have. Verse 8, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Thank God for conviction. God doesn't condemn us, but He convicts us. It's the mercy of God that pulls us to repentance. He says, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. You know this part. Create in me a what? A clean heart. God, help me, Jesus. I want to be, I want to have a clean heart. I want a renewed spirit within me. Don't cast me away. It says, from your presence and take not the Holy Spirit from me. Right. You can tell that David is, is in anguish 
because he realizes that he's done wrong and he's crying out to God. He's reaching out to God and he's saying, God, don't take your spirit from me. God, don't take your salvation from me, but help me, clean me, make me, make me whole one more time. God, won't you just forgive me one more time? He's pleading with God. This is what is hard. This is what is in his heart. Verse 15 says, O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall shew forth thy praise. He feels like he's not even able to talk because of his sins. But he says, but just let me open up my lips and my mouth so I can praise you. For thou desirest not sacrifice, he says, or else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God. That will not despise. He says, I don't have perfection for you. I don't have all of these sacrifices for you. But what I do have is a broken and contrite heart. God, would you take me back? David is reaching out, throwing himself out in front of God's mercy and saying, God, please have mercy of me, a sinner. Amen. So it's no it's no surprise that when we go back to second Samuel uh, 12 and, and 13, that when David says, I have sinned. Right? He says, I have sinned against the Lord. Immediately, God says through David and uh, through Nathan, he says, the Lord also hath put his, your sins away. You see how immediate that was? It wasn't the next verse. It was the next sentence. God speaks to him and says, forgiven. And I think that sometimes we think that we have to go through this huge process to be forgiven. Right? We have to go to two or three days of feeling unworthy to just come to God and ask Him for forgiveness when all He was really doing is waiting for us to ask. Right. Amen? Right. He's more, I, I always heard this from, uh, from a whole bunch of men of God. He's more ready for you, for, for, to forgive than you are to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Isn't that true? Yeah. I know it to be true in my life. I know that when sometimes... You know, if, that I have messed up in the past or, or done whatever and I feel like I'm unworthy. Sometimes I feel like I can't come to God right away and talk to Him and ask Him to forgive me because I'm no good, right? But God's love is greater than that. He immediately forgives him. David understood the repentance and, and God's forgiveness. He, he understood that God was a merciful God. And that all he had to do was ask. He had a contrite heart. He had a broken spirit. He meant it. He felt bad. He had godly sorrow. And he comes to God and he asks him for forgiveness. And he knows God will do it. He didn't hide his sin anymore. See, it's always a mistake when you try to hide something from an all-knowing God. Uh, if you try to hide something, you might be able to hide it from, from pastors. You might be able to hide it from everybody else. But God knows. Amen. He's not supposed Oh, you did that? No. He's not going to say that. He already knows. Amen. So might as well get it over and just ask him for forgiveness, right? God saw his broken and contrite heart and he forgave him. So that's the first example that we see of forgiveness um, in this, in this message. The second example that I want to bring to you is out of Luke 5. Luke 5. We're going to go to Luke 5 and 17. 
Um, I'm just going to read it to you. And it shall come to pass on a certain day, as he was, t- and it came to pass, sorry, as he was teaching that there was a Pharisee and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Verse 18. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with, pulse, with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. We know this story, right? The man sick of the palsy verse. Uh, the next verse says this. And when they could not find him, uh, I'm sorry, find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling uh, with, his cou- with the couch in the midst before Jesus. Verse 20 says, And when he saw their faith, he said unto the man, Thy sins are forgiven. Now when I read this, I I was stopped. I I stopped at verse 20. Because I'm thinking, Jesus is preaching, right? We all know the story. I don't have to recite the story where they're all sitting and there's so many people in the house that they can't get through so they have to start ripping through the ceiling, right? Imagine Jesus teaching and you're trying to break through the ceiling, ripping stuff out. Try not to distract him. I'm sure everybody's distracted by now. But it, could it have been that this man, we don't know. Could it have been that this man, uh, due to the sin that he had, was in his present condition? On that day that, that they brought him to Jesus to be healed Maybe he was just thinking he was going to, uh, to be physically healed. To maybe he was going to get to talk to him. Maybe he, uh, one of his disciples would come by and, and, and help him and heal him. But Jesus looks him straight in the eyes and with compassion he says, Thy sins are forgiven him. See, Jesus does something greater than just heal his palsy, heal the man that could not walk. He does something greater. He heals the heart of the man. He heals the soul of the man. He looks beyond that that sickness that he has, and he says, you know what? I want to heal you. I want to forgive you. Your sins are forgiven. And imagine what this man felt when Jesus said those words. Imagine if Jesus himself was to stand before you and say to you those words, your sins are forgiven. I don't know about you, but I'd probably forget about sickness if Jesus did that for me. Amen. Be like, well, if he can forgive me, who cares about the sickness? So we see that in Luke 5 and Luke 7. This is where I got a little nervous because that's where you took all my stuff. But that's all right. I got different points anyway. Uh, Not too different, but Luke 7 and 36, we all see that Jesus sits down at meat with a Pharisee. And behold, there's a woman in the city which was a sinner. And when uh, she saw that Jesus sat at meat in in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment. And we know that she begins to weep and to wash the feet of Jesus. And it's wonderful. This story always gets me. And then she breaks that alabaster box and opens it up and begins to anoint the Lord and kiss his feet and wipe his feet with her hair. To us, 
in, in America, that might sound gross. <laughs> it is. Uh, but it was so much love that she was showing. Right. You know, it, it gets me that here's this woman who's full of sin. She knows that she's a sinner. And she comes to Jesus. What drew her there? The Bible doesn't say. Perhaps she was just tired of the way she was living. Maybe she just wanted to be close to Jesus. Maybe she just wanted to meet Jesus. Maybe she wanted her sins to be forgiven. Maybe she wanted a change. She heard that maybe Jesus could help. And she shows up. And with everything that she has, she gives her best to God. She washes his feet and wipes it with her hair and anoints him. Brings the most precious thing that she has and anoints the Lord. And in that same room, he's sitting with a man who's supposed to be a preacher, a Pharisee, who knows the law and doesn't even wash his feet, doesn't have the common courtesy to, to treat his guests. This is no ordinary guest. This is God in the flesh. Imagine if he was to just come to your house. What wouldn't you do because of what he's done for you? Let's not forget what he did for us. This man completely ignores his duty. But yet this woman who's judged. And you know, when you're judged and you're in the same room... You don't really want to be there, right? And you know people are talking about you. They, you know people don't like you, but she stayed in the room. Because her love and her longing for God was greater than anything that anybody could ever say. Any embarrassment that she could go through, it was greater. Amen. So whatever the reason, she received more then she could ask because in the Bible it says that Jesus looks at her and says, Thy sins, verse 48, are forgiven. Again, Jesus looks this woman in the eye and ignores everybody else around and just says what she wants to hear most, what her heart is longing for, a relationship with God, a place of closeness with God, forgiveness. Amen. That is powerful. Then we go to Luke 23. And we see Jesus on Calvary. With two, two, with two uh, thieves hanging next to him. Right? We see this. And one of the malefactors which were hanged. Verse 39 says. Railed on Jesus. Saying if you're Christ save yourself and us. Next verse says this, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation, he's saying, you're, you're about to die, dude. Don't you think you should maybe pray? He's right here. And when he, we indeed, we indeed justly, he says, we deserve this, right? Anybody else feel like we deserve death? Our actions deserve death, right? We don't deserve Jesus. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve relationship with God. I feel that, but I know that he went to the cross so that I could have that. So he says, 
We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And then he turns to Jesus and he says, uh, he says unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Prayer, the dying prayer of a man. And Jesus answers him and says, Today shall be with me in paradise. What a wonderful thing to know that we have a blessed assurance, right? That one day we're going to see him. We can read this word and it would be like God saying to him, to us, we will be in paradise with him. We will make it to heaven, right? He's going to help us. We got to live right. And this man, he throws himself at the, at the mercy of Jesus. Even at death, one reviled the Lord and the other corrects him and throws himself at the mercy of, of Jesus. And Jesus instantly forgives and assures of everlasting blessing at his side starting that very day. We do not have to wait another day to be forgiven. It's something we can take from this. It can happen right now. Amen, today. And that we would never forget what the power of repentance is. God loves, God loves, doesn't love our sin, but he does love sinners. Amen. Amen. He's willing to forgive. The Bible says that heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. Amen. Luke 15 and 20, it says, uh, Let's see. Here we go. And, and he arose and came to his father. We know this story. But when he was yet a gray way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This is the story of the prodigal son. Right? The son goes away. He takes all of the, his possessions and he completely wastes everything. Right? He doesn't deserve to come back. He feels like he should just be a servant. Verse 21 says, and the son says unto the father, right? He says, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called your son. Verse 22 says, the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. Did you notice that? It, it doesn't say, oh, no, 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 we don't want to talk about that. Immediately he goes from, I know you already repented. Fine, let's move on. The forgiveness of the Father is unconditional. It's, it's instant. Verse 21 is full of repentance from the Son. He confesses his wrongdoing and he hopes to come back as the servant. And, and verse 22, the father, father immediately gets him dressed and rejoices over his son. Come back, right? Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. His forgiveness is instant. There is no begging. This is why, this is why I, I noticed that preachers tell people when you want the Holy Ghost, you don't beg. It's a gift, right? Yeah. He's our Father. He wants the best for us. There's no begging. Right. He just wants us to ask. There's no waiting for the Father to think about it. The father of the prodigal son didn't say, hold on, let me, why don't you just hang out here and let me think about it and, and maybe get back to you. He doesn't say that. Instantly he rejoices that he came back. So there's no bringing up the past. The father doesn't say to the prodigal son, well, 
you took everything. What, you know, what were your plans? Doesn't bring up the past, he immediately forgives. The father expresses his forgiveness and kindness before the son even expresses his full repentance. That's beautiful. Because that's how God forgives us. <laughs> Unconditional. Instant. He wants to forgive us. Amen. <laughs> Ephesians 1 and 3 says this. Ephesians 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4. According as he... Uh, hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's what he wants. That's what he, for us, to be holy and without blame. And you might, when I think about that, maybe I'm thinking, well, that seems impossible. But just hold on. It is possible. He makes it possible for us. If we go on to verse 7. It says this, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Amen. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. God wants us to be holy and without blame. And he tells us how he made a way. Amen. Colossians 1. And I'm almost done. I know it's Wednesday night. Colossians 1 and 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Amen. Anybody glad that you're no longer in darkness? And then again, it repeats, In whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sin. Amen. Verse 22, 21 of that same verse says, a chapter says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Amen. Anybody been reconciled by the blood of Jesus, by what he did on Calvary? Amen. Verse 22 says, In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Verse 23, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. See, it's not just that he's going to forgive us, but we got to continue. Right? We got to, he's done what he's done for us. He's already made a way, but we have to continue in that way. Amen. Jesus doesn't merely forgive my sins, but he completely remits them. He takes them away. He, he takes all of those sins upon himself, and he paid the price for me. Amen? In, in his body, in, in the sacrifice that he, did, that he did, he released me from bondage and imprisoned me. Imprisonment. He pardons my sin. He gives me liberty and deliverance. He does this by his sacrifice. He makes it clear that I am his, and he's dealt with my sin. Now, I'm going to wrap up here. The reason I say this is, I guess I have ran into this, and maybe some of our youth, I know some of our youth have as well, so um, we're going to go ahead and end here shortly. But at times, I think hell has reminded me and talked about my failures and my struggles, my actions, my choices. 
It says, you did this, you did that. Remember when you used to do this, when you used to think this. Anybody been there? And, And things that I know are under the blood, right? And I know this. I know that I'm forgiven. I know that he's washed my sins away. But the constant talking at times um, has discouraged me. And I feel like if at times it has done that to me, it most likely has done that to our young people. Um, they, they don't know everything that some of our elders know, right? They don't know God as long as as maybe some of you have and and I know that in my younger days I was in the same place I felt like I messed up too bad Lord maybe you should I remember having this prayer with God maybe God you should just pick somebody else I remember that saying to the Lord you know what I think you made a mistake I know the, the word says that you don't make mistakes, but I'm one. And I remember saying that to God and God answering me in prayer, I don't make mistakes. And he taught me a valuable lesson that day. I am forgiven. So what I want to do tonight is I want to just remind someone that our sacrifice is beyond any, any sin you've ever committed. That our priest is holy. There's nothing he can't take away. The Bible says to repent, right? And to be baptized in his name. The Bible says that he would wash away our sins, right? The Bible says that if we uh, confess our sins, he is ju- faithful and just to forgive us you don't have to live listen to me young people and maybe some older folk too you don't have to live with past regrets you don't have to live with with this constant conviction of something you did years ago or something you were in bondage of when he's already delivered you when he's already forgiven you One preacher put it like this to me one, when, I was, when I came to him. Well, actually, you know him, Brother um, David Brown. He's, he was talking to me, and he said, you know, do you need prayer for anything? I said, yeah, I have this, like, thing that, these thoughts that are just coming at me and saying that I'm not good enough or this, this, and that. And he said, oh, okay. He said it like this. Your past is supposed to be looked at through the rearview mirror. You know that thing that you look back? Never through your windshield. We look back to see what he's done for us so that we can continue to walk. Amen. We look back to what he's done not to feel bad and to feel convicted, so that, but so that we can tell somebody else, he did it for me, he can do it for you. Amen. He set me free, he can set you free. So what I want to do tonight I want all our young people to come to the, to the altar. I want all of our young people. And we're just going to do something very simple. I want all the young ladies, all the young men, I want the church to pray for them. 
Amen. Maybe tonight you need repentance. Maybe it's not just the young people. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe you need repentance and you don't think like he will forgive us. But tonight's your night. Amen. Tonight we pray. And I want the young people at the front, not only because it's youth-led service, but because I want you to get prayed for today. I need help. I know that pastor and your elders pray, but there's just something about your, your parents and the elders coming to just pray for you, that God would help you. So would you please come? Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.